Oh, let's uh, start very simple, just creating some space. Enjoying a moment of sitting quietly together. <coughs> and I invite you to shift from the busyness of your mind to uh, the sensations in your body. First, just noticing your posture and the feet on the ground. And just checking in yourself and shifting your sense of identity to the body, to the sensations in your body. And thoughts will not stop, they continue to arise and come and go, but they are not important as best as you can allow them to pass in the background like clouds or people outside walking by. Notice how the chair, the chair or the Law carries you. And for now, just these few minutes, give yourself the permission to do nothing. <coughs> just being, just sitting. <coughs> Let your awareness, as best as you can, be a kind awareness, a non-judgmental awareness. So it comes with the letting go of control, of the need to fix or to try to feel better. Really like a good friend who says, I'm here with you. your joy and I'm here with your pain.
breath, the resting point you return to, and you notice that you follow a storyline. your belly. Your chest. senses are open. Explore what happens if you allow this moment to be just as it is. Feel or imagine how the breath supports you in welcoming all sensations. for you in the body. Stay with it. Even letting go of the need to feel good just for this
then for a moment I invite you to recognize and to acknowledge the stillness which is also there underlying and surrounding the sounds and the sensations the soft presence which arises when you sit together in the spirit of compassion and in the field of the teachings of the Buddha Maybe there is a part of your body or a certain sensation in your body which comes to the foreground, mm -hmm. comfort or discomfort, and allow that to happen, just being with that. Being with that energy. Dancing. It could be a very specific area of your body. It could be also more uh, energy which pervades a bigger part of your body. And now, as best as you can, I invite you to let go of the mental image of the body. experience with the raw sensations. Making your awareness like loving hands.
space, making space, discovering space. with your own energy, befriending your own energy. That's really the beginning of creating peace around you and your family and your surroundings. So making peace with yourself in this moment just as you are surrendering and accepting. That's how you feel. That's really the foundation for stopping to add to the violence in this world. way we can easily see how we are here for ourselves as part of our own journey, but in the same moment we are also here for the people we live with. We are here for them also.
today I want to continue the exploration of how to work with anger uh, which I started on Wednesday <coughs> using uh, or referring or coming coming from uh, a text by the Indian master Shantideva the Bodhisattva Tara uh, which means the Bodhisattva ways of life where Shantideva describes uh, the practices and attitudes of uh, a spiritual warrior. And there's a whole chapter. It, said it has uh, 10 chapters, that book, and uh, there's a whole chapter just dedicated on uh, transforming, being, working with anger. And I want to start like I uh, started yesterday, uh, on Wednesday, because many of you were not there on Wednesday, by saying that when we talk about anger and transforming anger and working with anger, it's important that we don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. So meaning we don't throw out the healthy, the good, the protective aspect of that energy. So to, to make a distinct distinguish to distinguish the anger which is being taught about in the Buddhist teachings and a healthy a healthy sense of boundaries, a healthy sense of borders, a healthy sense of uh, a healthy capacity to say no. And maybe one could call that aggression, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure how to call it, uh, but I guess you have all a sense of what I mean. Like if, a, if a, let's take an example of a woman, a woman being touched inappropriately or being talked appropriately, of course she has to have the confidence and the, and the, and the energy to kick an ass. And that kind of... Um, that kind of saying no and that kind of self-respect, uh, particularly like Western teachers, they say we need more of that. We need to cultivate that. Now, there is a story of the Buddha. I've told that before, but it's really a, a nice story illustrating that. The Buddha, he had a, a even the Buddha was not liked by everyone. Let's, let's go. <laughs> let's let go of this stupid idea that everyone should like us. You know, it's, it's, it will never happen. It will never happen. You can be the best guy, the best girl. People will not like you. So the Buddha was not liked uh, by everyone, and one person who particularly disliked the Buddha was his cousin, Devadatta. And so Devadatta was very jealous and he founded his own, his own sect. Uh, and uh, he was actually, he, 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 he thought that the Buddha was too, <coughs> too, um, uh, too friendly in, a, in the practice. So he, he said, you need to be more strict. He didn't like the middle way. And uh, so he, he became a terrorist and he tried to, <coughs> Uh, harm the Buddha and one thing he did was uh, one day he made an elephant drunk 
and then angry. And he sent that elephant off to where the Buddha was meditating. So the Buddha was meditating outside of town, and there he was, the elephant storming, the angry, drunk elephant. <laughs> I guess you can imagine how that looks like. Uh, storming towards the Buddha. And the Buddha was meditating. And then when the Buddha when the Buddha saw the elephant coming, what he did was he did like this. Stop. And that made that's the the first mudra the Buddha did. Stop. And uh, that made the elephant stop in its track. Like, and then the Buddha made the mudra of compassion, the mudra of generosity. And then the elephant cracked down and wept. <laughs> because what was behind his anger, of course, was pain and confusion. Uh, like this. Uh, Wednesday we explored how anger often develops on top of a sense of insecurity and vulnerability and confusion and pain. So, and somehow when we hear the Buddhist teachings, we think it's this. And we miss out on that because that's challenging, that's difficult. We are afraid of saying. We're afraid of standing up for ourselves and putting borders. So it's very, it's like when we hear the teachings on how bad it is to be angry, something, something neurotic in us thinks, wow, that's great, because then I don't need to learn, that I don't need to make this necessary psychological step in my development of standing up and saying no, and standing up for my needs, and expressing what I want. I don't need to do that, because now I'm a Buddhist. I can, uh, I can start with compassion, I can start with kindness, and smiling, and saying yes, and being a servant. So, this is a very important story, to, and also to remember that mutra of the Buddha, Protecting Mutra, it is called. And it has to do with your posture, it has to do with the way you, you can stand up. And, you, and we all have that capacity. It's something we might need to cultivate and train, but we have that. So sometimes the teachings, spiritual teachings on the disadvantage of anger, and particular, also, of course, in Scandinavia. Anger is such a no-no. The expression of feelings in general, but the expression of anger is, is just like, uh, not, not only in Scandinavia, Germany as well. I mean, I'm including the Germans here. So then, uh, the, these teachings on the disadvantages of anger, and you shouldn't be angry, and how horrible it is to be angry, like we read sometimes in the traditional text, uh, 
they are sometimes not so helpful initially. And then um, when uh, Shantideva talks about anger, he talks about a, a, a mental factor which actually is combined with ill will or wanting to harm the other person. Well, that's the, the, the dangerous anger. That's the anger which is never, uh, which is never constructive. Yeah. So, you know, if you will, for mo I mean, and irritation and getting annoyed, that's just part of you know, human human life, and there's neurolog neurological reasons for it and cultural reasons. Uh, but what we really want to work with in, in these teachings is the, the combination with that kind of energy, the irritation or being annoyed or being unsettled about something, that combined with the wish to, with the ill will, with the wish to harm that person. So that's the, the, uh, that's what when they, in the text, when they talk about uh, a moment of this destroys eons of good positive energy and it can cut relationships forever and you know, it has devastating consequences for your future, according to the text. But it is really this kind of concentrated, uh, repetitive, compulsive uh, uh, kind of, you know, wishing to harm that person. That's uh, what is being said in the, in the teachings. That is never, mm -hmm. ever constructive. That's, that never, ever will bring positive results. And I guess we can confirm that with our own experience, that when we talked from, like when we had a relationship uh, uh, problem in the, in the family or at work, when we talked from that kind of mind, wanting to harm, wanting to hurt, wanting to retaliate, retaliate that there, there is no, 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 const no constructive results. Whereas an experience of saying no and standing up for yourself and expressing, don't do this, you know, that can be a good, a good thing. It can bring good results. Like as a father, as a boss, being in charge of a group or being a teacher, you need to do that, of course. You need to put borders. You have responsibilities, not only for yourself, but for the group and for the family and for the person. But as soon as this uh, negative aspect of wanting to hurt, wanting to, retali to retaliate, wanting to harm comes into that's the, that's the, the thing which uh, Shantideva wants us to stop and do something about.
if some questions come up, since we are not so many, you can just uh, interrupt me uh, in the middle. And um, so I will talk a bit, and then we have a short break, and then I will lead a meditation, and then uh, this, and then uh, the same two short breaks. So I, uh, you, you, you could. Um, put the different approaches uh, of Shantideva uh, in regard to work with that energy <coughs> into these four categories, which are not uh, really fixed. They go hand in hand, but just to have like an, uh, an idea, oh, there's different ways to work with anger. And one, one, uh, one point uh, to, to see the different uh, approaches or different possibilities to work with anger is to understand that with any emotion there's like two levels. There's a, there's a somatic level, how that emotion expresses itself in the body, and there is a conceptual level of the stories, of the words, of the meaning. Yeah? So, and that's also for anger. So there is the somatic aspect of anger there's a somatic aspect of fear, there's a somatic aspect of sadness, and there is, and it always has a somatic aspect. There is no emotion which is like in the mind. Sometimes people, people which are new in exploring this and coming from a disembodied culture, uh, some people are not even aware of that an emotion is, is expressing itself in the body. Yeah. But it is, that's, that's how it is. <coughs> Even boredom, like kind of emotions which are not so, you know, uh, so energetic. You know, if you are bored, there is a somatic aspect. So, and uh, in the Buddhist teachings, we work with uh, these two levels. And sometimes, in some methods, like in the mindfulness approach, which I will start with, the somatic aspect is the main thing which you work with. In other approaches, like in the reframing or in the lojong approach, the, the conceptual level is in, in, the, in, in the foreground. You work with the way you think about it, you you you, you become aware of your of, of what in your thinking uh, supports this uh, anger. And so the best is, I think, to be balanced and to work with these two levels: the somatic aspect, and you can dissolve or work with an issue in your life just on the somatic level. You, you, it, that's possible. Yeah? So without figuring out where does it come from, where does it lead to, who, uh, without understanding, without any understanding, you can work with an issue in your life just on the somatic level. It will change your, your thinking. 
Like if you um, if you get irritated and angry with a person and you and you go for a run and you do it skillfully, and you use the running to let, just let the energy go out and then you go back, it, you, maybe you ask yourself, what I was, what 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 was it? Why did I get angry? I can't even remember. So you had, you have, you have, in that example, you worked with that situation just on the somatic level. On the conceptual level, of course, like sometimes suddenly having an information, let's say you are very, very upset with your boss and he is really a pain in the ass since a few months. And then you get the information that one of his kids is, has cancer and he is going there every day and it's really hard for him and it's stressful and he is just, he has no resources at all right now. So getting that information, and that's on the conceptual level, Poor man, I can understand that. And then you feel it also on the somatic level. In that moment, so you start with the, the with the, the with reframing. That's the reframing, the lojong. You look at it from a different perspective, and immediately it's like ah. You feel it in your stomach. You feel it in your heart. So the first, um, the, the first and the foundation of working with any emotion is mindfulness. And um, yeah, today I choose to, uh, um, you can say, an approach uh, you know, to talk about this, this mindfulness. And it's from Pema Children. She calls it the four R's, you know, because each of this aspect starts with R, R, yeah? so she calls it the four R's. And the first is to recognize. So the foundation of inner work, the foundation of working with anger, working with fear, working with uh, depression is to recognize it, to explore it. And with anger, the recognizing is particularly important because we have this tendency to deny and to recognize and to, uh, and to be honest and to be aware that's the antidote towards denial. And you can't work or you can't transform something which you deny. And with anger, we are very good in denying it. Because it's so embarrassing. It's so shameful. And uh, particularly then if we have uh, the, the idea now we are Buddhist or we are spiritual. and So I, I don't get angry anymore. I would get angry. Everyone is so kind. And we are all loving each other smiling at each other. So denying is, uh, you, can, you can see that a lot in you know, spiritual communities, in, in, in spiritual groups. 
the denying of the shadow. Which then sometimes when you deny your own shadow, it, you know, what you do with it, it, you project it outside. So that's when groups become like, you know, we are better than the others, and you know, the different Buddhist sects who start to fight each other. And, um, that's the, the shadow of a group, the anger of a group being projected out there. That's uh, how, how religious, all the religious wars start. Not, not connecting with the, with, the, with the violence in ourselves, not, not, not being true, not being honest, but seeing it out there. So recognizing uh, there is a, can, can come with a labeling yeah, so giving it a name. And recognizing comes very much with, with your curiosity and with your willingness to explore the, the anger. To, to, uh, to how does it feel? What is happening in your body? What is happening in your mind? Getting to know anger. And uh, on Wednesday I talked about you know, one, one possible description of how anger develops that it is based first on a desire, you want something, and then there is an obstruction. You don't get what you want. And then you respond to that with a stress reaction. So that, that's like uh, you know, starting to, to explore that, starting being curious about it. Instead of suppressing it, Denying it, getting drunk, smoking a cigarette, whatever our uh, our method is, or just spilling it out. Uh, that's the two you know uh, ways which are initially available to our, to us to swallow it, to suppress it through denial and through fear and through shame because it's so shameful to be angry and we shouldn't be angry and how dangerous <coughs> it is to be angry and I'm not getting angry, it's the others. and uh, So that's swallowing, suppressing, which is part of uh, the, the, the wide spread of depression. And uh, the other is to just try to hurt through words or, or also not uh, uh, you know there is this kind of cold anger where you might even get away with uh, saying you know I don't get angry you know, uh, but it's you have this coldness you have you disconnect from the other person you are you have contemptful thoughts you show the cold shoulder you you are uh, How do you say that when you don't you don't notice the person like you oversee the person um, and you get the person know you let the person know what what's happening but you do it secretly and then if the other person comes more from an expressive culture she she freaks out and then she has the bad card. 
<laughs> That's the story of uh, mixed couples. <laughs> uh, uh, with different ethical background. Uh, and, uh, So recognizing. So really getting to know what is happening in your body. Getting to know that energy. And recognizing the storyline. No part one mental factor which plays a role according to Buddhist psychology in anger is what is called inappropriate attention. So inappropriate attention is um, kind of exaggerating the negative qualities of a person or a situation. So kind of you, uh, we write this book about the person and there's this long list of this and that and what she did and how horrible and she looks like and you know and we go on and on like that and then the tendency of wanting to share that with other people because you know, we want to sim uh, solidify our opinion about that person and we want other people to join us in our crusade so that's inappropriate attention it's like picking out something and losing the perspective of the you know of the where this person comes from that this person is also a loving father and has many qualities and has buddha nature anyway like me and so all that fades into the background and we just we just see a, a, a certain aspect and that's what the person becomes for us or the situation. And it's compulsive. It's, it's really not easy to, to get out of that circle, to, to interrupt that uh, circle. So to, to get to know that and to be, become aware, ah, this is what I'm doing now. I'm writing this book about the negative qualities of that person. And then uh, it comes with the it comes with the, with, the, with the somatic aspect. So that at one, then at, if you have done that a while, just you know, hearing the, the person's name, it's there. The complex in your body, and with that, also the view.
it's like either I have kind of the right to be angry or not. And it's the mind wants to kind of figure this out. Yeah. Uh, and if if I would just go to the body, mm. then it's this kind of initial like. But then I don't like know. I I don't know. It's this kind of confusion. I'm not. Uh, I think that's why it's a bit difficult to just uh, to just go to the mindfulness practice and mm -hmm. and just like see that okay, like this is a reaction that happened in me, and I don't have to do anything about it now when I'm in this rush. But yeah. Uh, but also not, not saying that it, it's wrong. I shouldn't feel like this because I know that she's really nice and I know that she really loves me or like with my mom or something. It's, yeah, I don't know. It easily becomes not then accepting that I actually have the feeling yes. and for a reason. Yeah. I don't know. It becomes like uh, too much thinking about it yes. and too little giving me the right to feel it, but not, yeah, it's hard. <laughs> Especially with the parents, it can be hard. Yeah, they are, they are the ultimate. <laughs> <laughs> That's why Ram Dasset has this nice quote, uh, if you think you're so enlightened, spend a weekend with your parents. <laughs> and you know, the, the, all these you know, teachers who claim that they enlighten, they don't see their parents anymore, or the parents are dead. <laughs> otherwise, nobody would say, I'm enlightened, you know? <laughs> it's impossible. <laughs> of course, you are enlightened when you don't see difficult people anymore. <laughs> Everyone is enlightened. <laughs> you should have a visiting parents week at the monasteries. Like yeah, this yeah. week, all the parents are coming yeah, and yeah. staying with us <laughs> yeah. for a week. Yeah, it's uh, that's it's a good description. What you what you you're quite mindful about what's happening. <coughs> and for me, uh, I I started to trust more the uh, the the healing or the transformative or the supportive uh, aspect or power of non-judgmentally being aware. But that does not undermine my capacity then to make a decision or to say something or uh, to, uh, to give a feedback. So I think that's an important point because there could be a fear um, working with, you know, uh, deconstructing anger, and that's uh, yeah. But do I become a doormat then? Or what is with you know the many situations where I need to say something and where something needs to change? So there is sometimes this sense that anger is justified as the, the trigger for making change to happen, or the trigger to make you, know, make, make you move towards saying something or making a change. But uh, in, in, the Buddhist, uh, in the Buddhist teachings, uh, the assumption is that uh, to be motivated by compassion and joy is, is much more powerful and much more 
constructive, and it also lasts longer. You know, the, something being motivated by anger, you have this flash, this energy rush, it's like adrenaline, and then after you feel like, you know, it's gone. And uh, what you just have said was the most stupid thing. Uh, whereas, uh, you know, compassion and joy, that's, you know, that, that, that can last long. It can, you know, keep you, and it gives you energy. And, uh, and it does not undermine uh, the, the conceptual, it does not undermine your capacity to think. Whereas anger does. In, in, in a rush of anger, the frontal cortex shuts down and lower brain areas uh, make you speak and act. How do you see the relation to hatred? Is that sort of repetitive storylines about anger? Yeah. And yes. Yes, and that's uh, so what we would say hatred, that would be what the Buddhists uh, talk about. You know, when they say, this is really dangerous, and be aware of it, and do something about it. So that's, uh, they don't talk about this, you know, being irritated because your teenage boy didn't do the dishes. That's not, uh, that's not what, what is being said here. So it, it, it's like this, you know, kind of hatred, like really the negative ill will wanting to harm. You yes. have uh, earlier advised on a very good <coughs> book uh, called uh, Forgive for Good, and it's, it's about um, uh, yeah, anger, and you, have, uh, you, have, uh, you blame someone because you have got hurt and you may be stuck in that. So, um, yeah. It's a book I, I recommended. Or, yeah. yeah, and it's very yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, last time, last month, I talked about forgiveness, and that's of course connected with uh, with anger. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Uh, I have a question about uh, you were talking about uh, the uh, some kind of a dark shadow uh, before. Uh, uh, shadow. Yeah, dark yeah. shadow. What did, What do you say? The word before the shadow? Uh, dark, I think. Dark, yeah. Dark, yeah. Uh -huh. um, and uh, almost every night for many years, uh, I have always big fights with my uh, dark passenger in my dreams. Yeah. And uh, very violent. Yeah, yeah. For many years. Mm. Um, and uh, I was wondering, because I. I Today I start to learn more about uh, uh, what these kind of dreams mean to me, and mm. I kind of more and more understand them. Yeah. Even though they're very infantile, very uh, violent and childlike. Um, and my question is, uh, how does um, Buddhism look at dreams and perhaps dreams and aggressiveness yeah. and uh, perhaps hatred? Is there any point of view on that matter? Um, I, 
the thing is, uh, you know, my, uh, I, I, we, I, I'm working with dreams, with my partner, we give dream mm -hmm. workshops. And, and, but um, you know, my understanding now is very mixed. It's like the Buddhist, but the Jungian and Freudian mm -hmm. comes in it. So I can't really, I can't tell you anymore what's actually now the, the Buddhist view on, on dreams. I know that mm -hmm. the Tibetans, for Tibetans, uh, the dreams uh, are really an important source for guidance and inspiration and, uh, and there is, you know, the whole, the, the whole teachings on dream yoga, becoming more aware in your dreams, bringing your mindfulness practice into the dreams. Um, But uh, I guess also the in in the Buddhist in the Tibetan Buddhist dream yoga, you would say that what you meet in your dreams are all aspects of yourself. I think they they would they would say the same. I guess that's very interesting about yeah. the interpretation because I see that more and more. Even though when chaotic stuff happens in the dreams, there is a part where it starts to analyze in the dream, yeah. which is very, very weird, <laughs> but interesting. Yes, yes. So that that's uh, no, that's uh, when that happens. Uh, if that happens to you, that means that you're kind of on the bridge to become a lucid dreamer, where you, so where you, um, where you can bring, uh, so where you are. Uh, aware of that this is a dream and that would give you the the, the option to uh, work with those uh, images just there so now you you have to you have to leave the dream and then you can look back and you can work with the dream then mm -hmm. but as a lucid dreamer you could do that within the dream mm -hmm. so if you have uh, like a, 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 a like a person who is uh, symbolizing an, a shadow aspect of yourself, then in that dream you could ask that person, you know, why you are here, what is your message, what what do you what do you want, what do you need? Yeah? And from the union point of view, that figure would uh, would appear, continue to appear in your dreams until you have get, gotten the message, until you have integrated. And it's not, uh, you don't need to feel that uh, that it says that you're particularly bad or... Because we all, according to the Buddhist teachings, we all have the capacity and the seeds of incredible violence in us. And not to acknowledge that and not to see that is not helpful. We all have. We all, you know, of course, uh, being, being, living here in a peace, kind of peaceful environment, these seeds, they were not watered a lot. But what if you know, that meanness, which, if you're honest, uh, which is in you, and which comes sometimes out in little ways, what if you would have grown up in a war zone and the food, were, food would be sca uh, scarce? Scarce, scarce, would be scarce. You know, so then that little 
meanness would you know would be much bigger so I wouldn't feel kind of uh, I, I have this dream so that means I'm a bad person or uh, or also uh, sometimes then people have a sense that it's like a possession it's something from outside um, so in the in the union and also in the Tibetan Buddhist um, approach it would uh, you would say it's aspect of of you know it's it's and it's not even necessarily very personal it's also because we have we share it's like the common ground so it's like uh, in our dreams we meet the shared human common ground with the wonderful things so you can dream about the Dalai Lama and the Buddha and uh, yeah so that's also you and then there is also the evil the violence so it is actually, in a way, healthy and good if that aspect shows in your dreams and then you can work with it. Instead, that aspect is not being recognized and noticed and then it starts, and then it, then it makes you act. <coughs> or you see it outside, that's, that's also, or you see it outside. So you, you are surrounded by evil people. There is a, a, a Buddhist practice. It's called feeding the demon. So maybe that's something you would want to, if you want to, look into. How can I work with this? Is it still coming? This figure? Or yeah. Yeah. From time to time. Some, from time to time, it's still visiting you. Oh yes. So. Uh, feeding the demon could be a way uh, 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 outside, so after a dream, to get into a dialogue with that figure, and to like to start to um, to, to talk with that figure, because there is wisdom there. There, there is uh, there is uh, uh, the, these uh, the, the shadow or the dark forces. They also they are also a resource. They have gifts. They have messages. Yeah. So it's important not to try to get rid of them without honoring and respecting them and integrating them. Yeah. So I think maybe. Yeah, so maybe just uh, shortly about to recognize the refrain uh, <coughs> refers to, you know, pause. So refrain, Shantideva calls it, uh, be like a lock of wood. It does not sound very inspiring. <laughs> but, Can you say again, I mean? Be like a lock of wood, he says. And there is... Lock of wood. A lock of wood, like yeah. you know? Tim, 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 T
No, like uh, you, you, you move, you sit there. You sit there with it. And he has uh, quite a lot of verses with, you know, whenever you want to retaliate, become like a log of wood. If you're criticized and you want to get out the knife, be like a, a log of wood. And that's like this pause, you know, to refrain from uh, reacting. And it's not suppressing, so that's important. So neither suppressing nor acting out. That's like the middle thing. That's the lock of wood. Is it the same as stay as you used to call Stay, it? yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's the stay. So it would be, you know, like taking a breath. Okay, so stay. Stay with the pain, stay with the hurt, be with it. So repressing would be, no, I, I, I'm above this. <laughs> or it's, it's also like, it's a different like, it's like tense, yeah? It comes maybe even with swallowing. And then it's like there. But here this, this refrain is, you know, you're open. And that's difficult because then you, then, that, then it's there. <coughs> then it's like, then you feel the salt in your heart or the burning in your stomach. So it's pause, the refrain. The refrain from acting out. Refraining is sometimes uh, supported by taking vows or commitments. Like not lying, not stealing, not drinking. No, that's like the ethical guidelines. And they, they support you in refraining. And then the relax is investigating into it, being with it non-judgmentally. Yeah, and that could also, of course, mean to go for a walk, look into the sky. On a, on a somatic level, to cultivate the capacity to relax with the reactive patterns you have. So in addiction, yeah. <clears throat> so that's like learning to relax with the urge of getting drunk or taking the drug. Did you say go for a walk? Look at the energy way? in your body. So okay. one, with the energy in the body. Yeah. One, uh, one uh, advice uh, Pema Schultron gives here is to drop the story 
to drop the storyline as best as possible and, and emphasize the how does this feel in my body? Where is this in my body? So here this practice is not about thinking about or finding a solution or giving it a different meaning or finding an explanation uh, or, you know, this is about uh, bringing space into this and then with a more with more frontal cortex, more, more blood <laughs> in the frontal cortex, <laughs> uh, to find the, and then to think about it. <coughs> yes. uh, what if you're <laughs> directing anger towards yourself, but you, uh, you kind of, uh, like I measure myself by different standards and my, yeah. Because I have understanding about people who have uh, do something bad, or uh, because I know maybe he has some problems or had a bad background, and mm -hmm. that's why he's uh, being this way. Or but uh, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't excuse myself <laughs> with that. I would never act right. that, and yeah. I, I never. Uh, direct the anger towards me and mm -hmm. this positive <laughs> uh, anger that is a, uh, to say that's not okay. Uh, is that something you should practice and be more <laughs> judgmental <laughs> to other people to keep yourself from being too judgmental of yourself? No, I think you can, th this, is of, this is a very uh, important um, aspect of working with anger is uh, to become more mindful, to recognize more the self-attack and, and, and to work with that. Mm. Uh, so to become aware of the inner judge, to learn uh, practices of self-compassion, of self-acceptance. So it's something, um, and it's, it's something which for us is very important. And when you do that, you, you will notice that more you work with that, more you are also less, no, less judgmental you are towards others. So it, it goes hand in hand. So if you work with, if you become aware of the self-attacking, like, oh, you're so stupid, and, you know, again, you know, you never get it right, and you're worthless, and, this kind of uh, really mean self-attacks. It might be even more important to work there, to work with that than the judgmental mind towards others because it could be that the way you talk with yourself is, is even more mean and aggressive than the way you talk to others. Uh, so, uh, um, yeah, that's, of course, I guess w what I say Today, what we explore today, a lot of those things would be also helpful in the in the theme of self-acceptance and self-compassion, but it's also good to explore that as a separate topic, and I do that quite often. Mm. Yes. Oh, if it's uh, not a person you're angry with, but something in society, like uh, uh, 
maybe some tendencies uh, and hatred that uh, you see and uh, you really you really get upset with it. Uh, That's like the same. Nationalist <laughs> yeah. uh, racist party or the society becoming more and more that, that's it's the same. So uh, that's. Um, you have to do something about it to, to get yeah. rid of it. Or yes, or and there it's so. And, and there it's important to see that compassion and love is a, is a, is more powerful than bitterness and contempt and uh, like. Uh, you know, you s uh, to be the, to be motivated by that. That, that's, uh, you know, I think there's nothing less, I mean, it's really not inspiring to see people who, like, fight for the environment, and, but there's no, you know, there's content, and there's bitterness, and there's, uh, like, hatred towards those people who, who are the bad guys, and, and it's so inspiring to meet people who have a different approach, who like who work for the environment, who are animal rights or whatever. But you feel they come from compassion. From, from compassion, they, you feel it's not something. You feel that they have worked with themselves, and they don't come from the wounding in childhood, but they really uh, come from you know compassion, the compassion. And but if you, they don't, uh, do you think, uh, like, uh, how do you deal with someone like Jimmy Okeson? It's just to love him and be compassionate. Or no, to, uh, as I said, uh, to be loving and compassionate uh, can be forceful. Yeah, yeah it, uh, that's the, so to be loving and compassionate does not mean to be uh, non uh, to be passive or to be a doormat or to let things happen. Like, uh, you, know, you know, people we find insp inspiring, like Nelson Mandela or Gandhi or um, um, you know, people who, uh, who made difference forcefully in a way, but they didn't came from their wounding and from their bitterness and from their helplessness. So let's have a break. So I want to lead a meditation now, uh, which uh, belongs more into the reframing category, like working with the concepts, uh, shifting the perspective or the way you look at a certain person. So in this, uh, in this meditation, I will, I will invite you to connect with a person you don't like or someone you find irritating, maybe not the most difficult person in your life, but someone uh, you kind of 
dislike or someone you find annoying or irritating, someone you are upset about. And um, so it's good if you decide to like to to a certain person that that you know that's the person I want to work with, so that you don't waver. Ah, no, maybe I do it with this, or but you you stay with that person. And then I will offer you uh, different ways uh, different ways to look at that person and to just see does that change something for you. So it's kind of a, an experiment of trying, does that change the way I feel about that person when I think differently? Yeah, so. And uh, if you notice that you get, uh, that you go somewhere else with your mind, then you come back to your body and your breath and you just follow along without trying to force something. It's just, uh, it's an experiment. So let's uh, uh, start by connecting with the body and the breath and maybe uh, it helps to close your eyes in this meditation unless you fall asleep then. So then it's better to keep your eyes slightly open so that light, some light comes in. And just Uh, gently shift uh, from the break and the talking uh, to being here. Just being with your energy. And the feet on the floor, the legs. belly and the chest. And the breath. And you can make the breath the resting point which you can return to when you notice that you get carried away. And then I invite you to bring that person 
that irritating, difficult person to your mind. And say quietly his or her name. And notice how it makes you feel to bring this person, the voice, and the actions of that person to your mind. Maybe a recent situation. Do you notice a change in your body? Are there some sensations in your body? connected with the presence of that person. And don't worry if you can't find anything. It's just a question, an investigation. Do you feel some tension, some resistance, some closeness somewhere in your body? Maybe you can intensify the presence of that person. And how is it in your belly, in your heart, in the presence of that person? So now we use a different perspective and we start by reflecting on the fact that this person is a human being with feelings, just like you. A human being with feelings, just like you. And just like you, this person wants to be happy. And whatever the person does and says, she does and says, because she wants to be happy, just like you. And part of wanting to be happy is wanting to be loved and respected. So just like in you, in that person's heart is this longing for being seen and recognized and loved. So you stay connected with your body and your breath 
and with the sensations in your body. While looking at that person and acknowledging your need for being loved and accepted and respected and seen. So you pause there. I want to be loved and respected and seen and accepted. And that person is the same, just like me. Another point could be that, just like me, the person I'm looking at, the person I'm working with, has been hurt and wounded, disappointed. So again, you start with yourself, acknowledging that you have been hurt and wounded, disappointed by other people, rejected. Throughout life, and then the other person is the same, just like me. She was born, he was born with the openness, and just like you, this person has been rejected and wounded hurt, disappointed, just like me. And just like me, this longing for be for love, this longing for being seen and the wounds, they make me act, they make me talk, they make me look in certain ways, just like this person. So just see if you can connect with that which is behind the facade of that person, to see the child in the person.
just uh, notice if there's a change. So we don't force a change, we just notice if there's a change happening. A third point uh, could be to acknowledge, to recognize that just like you, this person has Buddha nature. So the seeds of all the qualities of a Buddha, compassion and wisdom, patience and generosity, beauty, the power of healing, It's in you, and it's in the other person. So seeing the bigger perspective that, just like you are a stream of consciousness with all these potentials, so is that other person a stream of consciousness without beginning, without end. And meeting right now in this life with a certain circumstances but just like in you there is this potential, this incredible potential for love and wisdom in your heart, in your being as it is in the other person Just checking if a wider perspective can change the way you feel about this person. And then uh, the last point I want to offer you is according to the Buddhist teachings and according to the teachings on karma and previous lives, this person has been your mother, has been your friend, has been your child, has been your lover countless times. And in that way, this person, which is right now annoying or you are upset with, upset with this person, has been incredibly kind to you, has even sac sacrificed his or her life for you. So r 
try not to start a discussion with past lives, future lives. Uh, just drop that and just for a moment you know, play with that perspective, that Buddhist perspective. Countless lives, countless kinds of relationships. So if you have children, for example, in this life, Maybe you can look at that person as your child. If you have a good relationship, a, a grateful relationship to your parents in this life, uh, being able to acknowledge and being grateful to what they give to you, so you can look at this person as your parent. giving birth to you again and again, sacrificing her life to you in previous lives. And being your friend. This is again an experiment if thinking like this and looking at that person from that perspective, if that can change the way you feel about this person or the way you are with this person right now. So if you can bring this person to your mind, say his or her name, and you feel into how it is to be in the presence of this person. with these different approaches. Maybe one of them makes particular sense to you. And then see, is there a shift? Is there a change in your body when you are in the presence of this person? And just observe. can feel and think differently about this person. then you let go of this person. Goodbye. And just 
staying with yourself for a few moments, breathing. Noticing your own energy. and also the stillness, the presence. Just resting for a few moments. So this was an example on how to, uh, uh, working with the conceptual level, with your perspective or with your attitudes on a one 
translation of Lojong is attitude training. So what you Lojong means, that's the Tibetan term for this kind of transformative uh, practices. So you change your attitude by using your analytical mind, by using reasonings. And uh, so it could be uh, it could be that this morning you are tired or something else is on your mind and you didn't get really into it. So that's part of the training and part of the experience using this kind of meditation that you notice, wow, it's actually not so easy for me to stay with this because there's something else in, on my mind or I'm really tired and that, that comes to the foreground. So that's part of the training. It's not that you do it wrong. It's just, you know, that's part of the, the, the thing, the, the training, work, working with this. And we have different needs, we have different capacities, so for some people this kind of uh, analytical approach really works, and for some not. So that's, that's, uh, not, that's not, that does not mean that you did it wrong. And uh, when you use this kind of meditation, uh, uh, what, you, what I think is important is that we see it's not just thinking. What is also important is to make it a body experience, to feel it. So you, you also, in this meditation, you have this uh, combination of those two, the somatic aspect and the conceptual aspect. And uh, in, in, the, in the research on meditation, the neurological research on meditation, it shows that change happens in our patterns when we bring feelings into it. That's the way you kind of, that's the way you make it part of your life or part of your system, part of your being. If you, uh, you know, that's how your brain changes. When you when you bring it into your into the felt sense into the into the sensations into your heart into your belly and then you pause there and you and you you kind of you it's like you with that you kind of um, you 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 make it you you bring it into the you know you group kind of you carve it, you carve it into your uh, neurological system by uh, bringing your body into it. So the, uh, the instruction in the Tibetan tradition is that when you notice that there's a response, that you let go a bit of the of the thinking, of the analytical part. So you let go of it. And you stay with, ah, yes. You know? Like maybe something, what I said, made sense to you. Like, that's, you know, maybe if you have children, for example, maybe it made sense to you to, to see, yeah, they could be my, my son. Or you see, he is a son also. Like my son, he is a son. And so then there's a response. 
So at that moment, you would kind of let go of the blah, 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 and you would just, yes, he is the son. How does that feel? Yes, he is the son. So there might be a softening or an opening or an emotional response, and then you stay there. He is the son. And then that goes away because our mind is not stable. So other thoughts come and it goes away. So that's where you shift again, more to the analytical part. So you go again, yes, he is a son and blah, and then maybe you take another thought and another perspective. And then, so in that way, you change actually the way you are with that person. Are there any questions or comments uh, about uh, this, what we just did? Different perspective, the attitude training, the lojong, the reframing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And did that happen now in this meditation yeah. that there was a moment? Yeah, a little bit, yes, yeah. because <coughs> there is a person that she irritates me so much. Yeah. And sometimes I say, what? Good. Uh, is it someone who is around you yeah, a lot? Yes, yes. That's very good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You can't escape. No, sometimes no. I really want to escape. Yeah, but you can't. That's very good. Yeah, well. I, I feel it's not good for her, it's not good for me. No. We are not getting yeah. This is so. So you are stuck. Yes. That's good. You're lucky that you have a person like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have also. also I have same, also a person like same that. Person is also very good in many ways, and I yeah. can see that. Yeah. Yeah. She really helped me out yeah. of difficult situations. But still, yeah. we, we have many differences yeah. and we clash often. Yeah. And I don't have children, so I get very surprised. Because I don't have children, but yeah. when you say, she can be your child, it was something like, mm. 
What? And for a mm. short period, I didn't feel that irritated. Yeah. The rest of the meditation, I was still irritated. Uh -huh. But just that. Yeah. It's very strange. Where, where did you feel that? When you said things that she yeah. could be your shame. And where, how did you feel it? How did you feel it? When uh, you said that mm. she could be my mother, you made her say, oh, my <laughs> I don't know why. Yes, yes. But I don't know. No, because it's so. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. And actually, I discovered. Yeah, it's the same way I sh I usually fight with my mother when I was a teenager. So it's something like. Mm. It's yeah. something I like in my yes. relationship with her. I uh, yeah. wanted to revolt with what she said. Uh huh. Yeah, there's probably a pattern or a connection. Yeah, some mm. kind. So, mm, so yeah. I discovered that too. When she said certain things, I need, I have to defend the opposite idea. So it's like so useless that she was with my mother. Yes. Her idea is my idea. What right. But it wasn't soft. It was like some kind of in the mind. I understand something. Mm. Yeah. So but it can help. The, yeah, it might help. It might help this insight now yeah. uh, to, ah, this is this pattern and I have it from my mother and now <laughs> it's repeating here. So th yes. That can bring some space into it, maybe. Yeah, no, Could be. No, yeah, yeah. No, I understand that, but yeah. uh, this is happening now. Yeah. When we talk yes. about it. Yeah, yeah. But in the meditation, what I felt now was like a relief was the part you said that it can be your child. Yeah. And where did you feel this relief in your body? Here, here. Here, in your heart. Here. Yeah. Mm? In or, a, uh, under. Under, know. yeah, it's like the diaphragm, yeah. which is just the breathing. Mm. But irritation is here, but here too. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. So higher. Yeah. Higher in the body. Yeah. But the relief was like, ah. Yeah. But something for me, actually. Huh? This release was for, for me. Yes. Because mm. it's very tiresome to be irritated. Yeah, it is. Mm. Oh. So it was a surprise because I don't have children. I don't have children, so I, I don't know how it is to have them. Yes, something in you knows how it is to be children. Huh? Uh, something in you knows how it is to have children. You have had, you have had countless children in previous lives, that's one thing. <laughs> But you are a child, and you have friends who have children. So, and through your capacity of empathy, you can you can feel how it is to be a father or a mother. You can resonate with that. Yeah. And you are not intellectual with a little baby. Yeah. And then you can connect. Yes. If you have conflict with a little one, like one and a half or so, yeah. it's not fighting with a little one. No, not intellectual. Yeah. And they come to you. Mm. And it's very comforting. Mm. Maybe. I have a good thought. Yeah, yeah. So I, I 
Yeah, yeah. It's, it's good uh, actually to do this kind of practices in retreat, like to dedicate, uh, you know, maybe a whole weekend or a week or even longer uh, to, uh, to really explore this, this kind of practices. I also have a question, but yeah. maybe we take later. No, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Where you know they have these uh, like mafia yeah. people <coughs> that are very cruel and do bad things to yeah. the people who live there and they cannot leave, leave the area. Mm-hmm. They then they are st- their lives is dead, so they have to stay and you know try to work and everything. And the government instead of helping the people, it's like with the mafia. They send the troops against the people who are revolting. Mm. It's kind of civil war. Yeah. And uh, I have friends from Mexico and they, mm. they follow the news and they talk about us. And the people, they, it reached a point where people bought weapons, weapons and they are just defending their families. And mm. they said, yeah. by killing the others. Yeah. I said, this is so painful, and I can't see how I can resolve this conflict. No. And I, I was thinking about when you said the first mudra is the stop one, and how come? So sometimes the stop, the stop you need to put is like killing the other people. It's not the other way around. It's. Mm. I cannot. Uh, I cannot think about it. I get that. I get crazy. It's very frustrating. Yeah. So, without going into politics, definitely one important aspect with this kind of questions is to work with the feelings which arise in you. But I'm not there. Yeah, but now, when you talk about it. So you feel frustrated, you don't know what to do. Uh, So, how does that feel? And to be with it and to be compassionate there with that. Yeah. Is it so like? <laughs> so is your question like your uh, you you brought you bring the. How you, you bring this up now? Because if I will be there, I know I will do the same thing, maybe. You know, if something is going Yes, and, and that's why it's so important to work with it, with that, now. So, did you bring this, um, this question up now? Because what is, what is important for you is to find out how to be with those friends. No. No. No, that's not the... That's kind of easy, but I feel it's very difficult to be in that situation, to live in this place. Yes, but you are not living there. No. So, um, 
the 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 approach here would be uh, to work with what is present. Now, in your surroundings, in your family, with your friends, it. Yes. So then, uh, um, so there's anger. So how how can you be with that anger? Working with that anger. Working with that helplessness. And then from there, okay, is there something we can do? Or is there something you can do? Yes. Because it will be. It's like really civil wars, okay? Yes. They are coming next month. Yeah. People from Mexico who needs people who speak Spanish. Yes. And I will be useful in a very practical yeah, way. So the, yes. But now, so the Buddhist approach is the, the cause for the violence in the world is in us. And that's where we work. So, like, pointing to, you know, uh, somewhere, somewhere else and saying, how can they do this, or what can we do there, uh, that wouldn't be, so, from the Buddhist perspective, would, would not be so helpful. So that's why I, you know, when I ask you now, I try to like point it back to your responses, your feelings, and uh, the the violence which is around us here and our response to it. I know this is not. Uh, I mean, I, this is not satisfying. Uh, this is not satisfying. But at least it is like something which uh, where where I feel. Uh, where I feel I can uh, I can make a difference mm. by in my life and then by you know sharing so like in a way I can say I feel this morning and you being here is like our contribution to not only Mexico but you know yeah. situations like this are like like everywhere mm. yeah. So that's like part of uh, part of uh, you know, my motivation to be here, uh, like to work on the root of the violence uh, by working um, with my uh, violence in my surroundings, but also by sharing in whatever way I can share. 
Yes, and then, okay, I'm, I'm, right now I'm not aware about something I could do on, in a practic practical way uh, to help that situation in Mexico, but maybe there are, I don't know. Like I would know in Syria, like you, you know, there you can make donations or you can, so there is, you know, something practical. Sometimes you can contribute to certain conflicts. And uh, one good, um, Uh, one good advice I found helpful was, I, I don't even remember where I got it from, but that was saying, you know, that you have to choose like a project or a case which you want to work on. Instead of like feeling, you know, what can I do and, and then not doing anything, but just, you know, to kind of, because our resources and our time is limited, but if all of us would kind of find a case where we would, like, you know, animal rights or, you know, just a project or like a, you know, Tibet project, Black Lama or, you know, something. So, and there we would, uh, you know, find, make donation, donate money for, uh, make advertising, spread in our networks, and like, uh, uh, you know, work, do something. And I found that uh, I found that helpful to to think, yeah, I'm doing that, and I can't solve all the problems in this world. But I can uh, work on my inner life, and I can contribute whatever is possible. Something like that. So I, I don't. Know. <laughs> yes. Uh, I really get the sense of helplessness, or being like not being able to help or something. And it's it's funny now because I just. I think you have to have battled with that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been environmental yeah. environment activist and stuff like that. So, um, but uh, yeah, as you say, like not to learn how to not feed the chain of uh, like feed keep feeding violence patterns in yourself and around you, and like that it's really it really makes a difference. And the story told with the with the Buddha stopping the elephant, it's also kind of a, a piece. And I had, it was, you told also about this nightmare, and I had a really nightmare to, tonight with, uh, it, it's also kind of a, comes sometimes in different forms, kind of a, and, and it, like what you said, that they have no choice but to kill that they feel like that. I had a, I had a dream where I was torturing torturing others, uh, but and and it also al always in the dreams where I hurt others, it comes from this really intense fear that this person will uh, harm and kill me and mm. everybody I love. And it's like the only way to stop it is to kill them. Mm. And they never die, so I just have to keep harming and killing. <laughs> and it's it's absolutely horrible. It's really being the one who tortures yeah, others. Yeah. Yes. And I can feel sometimes in the mornings like, my gosh, like I, I, like really being this kind of SS Nazi 
yeah. torturer. I'm like, shit, am I dreaming this? Like, I'm doing this in the dreams. And then when I, later in the morning, I felt more like, more like, uh, almost like connecting with people who do that. Because yeah. It c came in the dream from such an intense fear yeah. and pain and yes. sadness. Yeah. And, and as you say, you, that's the last thing you want to do to kill others, but experience and being in a situation where it's the, that or being uh, killed or tortured yourself, like, would you, do, would you just let them kill you or would you harm them back even if it feels like so horrible? Mm. So that uh, I came with it here today from the night and then ever it's been yeah. <laughs> sort of the, the topic. It, it, yeah. And it's, it's, it's just like, uh, yeah, how to, how to somehow understand that it happens. I mean, almost every structure where there is torture, it's in a situation where you either torture or you will be killed. It's like always a system of oppression and fear, and or they will kill your family if you don't, like the superior you need to. Yeah, so like somehow understanding that it happens and as you say, that we all have the seed of violence mm. in us, and we were just lucky that it wasn't watered more. But it's uh, also this really strong wish that you don't want to do that. Like you don't want to. Yeah, you don't want to keep this circle of hate and hurting mm. rolling. Like uh, in to to not do it, to to not do it, even if it would mean that you would get killed. And I mean, in the dream. For me, it's in a dream, so I wouldn't get really killed. And for those people, maybe they would. So it's really... It's a very strange situation, because in just in a data state, <coughs> they were controlled by certain gangs. So, while the people living there think they go for another one, make the deep deal of pulling out this gang of the territory. Yeah, and the other one just took Earth over. <laughs> so they decide, okay, it seems that we have to do it ourselves. <laughs> so they started to arm themselves and uh, yeah, they are in battle now in the streets. And the government is sending the, the troops against the people. So it's like yeah. never ending story. Yeah. Like in the dream, you torture and kill, but there is yeah. more to torture and yeah. don't stop. Like, so and if they win, maybe they would be the gang in the future. Yeah. Like. And also like to, yeah, as you say, to realize that, okay, this is not here and now. And uh, how can we yeah. bring, try to bring the peace here, like, or, or make the peace that is already here more strong and more stable. And, mm. and uh, yeah, what you said with being angry at patterns in the society or developments in the society, uh, I also know that feeling very well. So how to not, uh, it's so easy to just, uh, as you say, blame the bad guys or, mm. and to just feed the kind of aggression. Also in peaceful Sweden, like aggression between different groups and it's election year and it's everything's getting a bit more fierce. And, uh, it's election year this yeah. year? Yeah. And it's really tan and tangible. And also peaceful, like you see. No, it's it's a yeah. There is a lot of anger and resentment yeah. from old hmm? from the same Yeah. Yes. Oh. Yes. yes. Um, <coughs> I was just uh, thinking uh, about that as a 
Yeah, it's part of the Mahayana ethics, of the Bodhisattva ethics, to uh, use forceful means in, in times of injustice. So that's, uh, um, so this, uh, and that is um, so strong, you are even, uh, you are supposed to Break your, you know, your commitments of you know, not stealing and killing, uh, uh, if it's for the benefit of others. In the Theravada approach, in the ethical Theravada, in the ethic of Theravada approach, that's that's different. So there would be the not killing, the not lying, the not stealing. That would be, this is how it is, and we are, we don't have the view. The big karmic view, so we don't. We just refrain, refrain. So, but the Mayana approach is differently. So it is more. It's much more challenging, of course. Yeah, yeah. to uh, and this includes also killing. So you are supposed to kill. Uh, as a as a uh, as a, um, if you take the Bodhisattva vows, uh, so. Uh, yeah, and there are stories about the Buddha's life, uh, the uh, the lives of the Buddha when he became a when he was a Bodhisattva that he killed, not out of hatred. That's the difference. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, the reframing. Um, maybe one uh, there's more more to say about the reframing but one I, you know, on Wednesday I talked about you know using the teachings on karma to have a different perspective and one uh, part of that is uh, you know every you know, everything that happens to you of course from the karmic point of view is the result of uh, actions uh, of seeds you have planted. So from the karmic point of view, from these teachings, when you are criticized, when so, you know some, someone harms you, it's a purification of your karma. So like, uh, so if you are in a difficult situation in, in your life and you respond to it in a, you know, in a, in a constructive way, you work on it, you, you try to make a difference, uh, so, what that if you do that, you purify that uh, the, the original cause of for that happening. Yeah? So that would also change your perspective on a difficult situation. Like if you are stuck, for example, with a person, that's uh, from the karmic point of view. Uh, you, it's uh, it's some, it's like. Um, 
you kind of you can say it's like a repayment. Yeah? If you work constructively with that situation, you pay back a karmic debt you have to with that person. Yeah, but yeah. So th this, th when when we when we look like that, when we look at that like a person, then we just see the very narrow view of that person in that body, in that age, in that in that situation. So in the, in the karmic point of view, you see the big picture. So when you see the big picture of a person, you see the Buddha, and you see the the violence, and so you have a big perspective. Yeah, you see the whole, you see the journey. It's a consciousness uh, without beginning, manifesting in different, in different, uh, in different bodies, in different lives. And it's not about uh, so to to look at the street kids and say they deserve it or something. No, of course they don't deserve it. Nobody deserves this. And it's also not a punishment. There's nobody being punishing that. It's just cause and effect. Yeah, and uh, you know, to, to use really the karmic, uh, the karmic uh, teachings, I mean, it takes quite a leap of faith. And uh, so it's in a way, and they say only the Buddha can ex uh, really understand the karma. So I, I'm not saying that this is like mm, possible or it should be possible for us to make that shift and look at the situations in our life from the karmic perspective because, yeah, that's, that would be difficult. I mean, most of us have even maybe difficulties to, you know, open to the idea of past lives and future lives, so. But in some areas I can think about it, but maybe this is something I have to, to go through because I, uh, I, sh I should learn about this. Yeah, so then you can, you, you work with that. Yeah. And where you, know, where you feel, where you notice it just, explodes uh, your capacity to then, okay, then is there something else I can use here? Or, yeah. So then uh, the third, cultivating opposite emotions. So um, anger, so the opposite emotion would be love, compassion, now using the different uh, methods we are offered in the Tibetan tradition to cultivate an opposite, uh, an opposite emotion. And the idea is that you know, in the mind of love, there is no space for anger. And um, one practice uh, which is being offered uh, for cultivating compassion is the practice of Tonglen, giving and taking. Uh, so, in the in the 
in the case of an uh, anger attack, uh, a possibility to uh, work with Tonglen would be uh, in that moment to breathe in all the anger, all the irritation, the one you have right now, so that would be the accepting and the giving space, but also to breathe in and to uh, open to the anger and, and uh, irritation of other people. Yeah. So that was, would be the breathing in. And the breathing out would be the giving of what is being, what is needed. And that's love and compassion. So that would be with the breath, out breath. You would give yourself and your surroundings, uh, that which is needed. Relief, letting go, compassion, kindness. So uh, you know, this kind of situation stuck with the family member. It's most the family member or a friend or someone you work with. Uh, that's also like you know breathing in. You know, ah, this is so you know being stuck in in places like that. You know, if you have someone in your family in a crisis, for example, it's so difficult. Or a friend, yeah. So you are stuck with that. And that's uh, and uh, and it's just like you know we all are we we have been there and if not then we will be there in situations like that. So that's like breathing that in, you know, the, the stuckness. Yeah, this is how it feels. This is how it is. We we come to places in our life where we are stuck. And. But that's a common experience, an experience we all share. So with Tonglen, you breathe that all in. Yeah, the density, the, the, the thick cloud of being stuck. And then you breathe out and you give what is needed. Space, kindness, love, understanding. So, and then you give it yourself and you give it to all the people who are stuck right now. So that is uh, opening our mind from the self-centered, narcissistic, poor me. Why is this happening to me? And it shouldn't happen to me. Uh, to, no, it's happening. And it's something we share. It's, not, it's nothing special. I'm not special in being stuck. It's welcome to the human experience. Either you, maybe, you, maybe you don't like it, but that makes it more difficult. It's, uh, and then breathing out that which is needed. And you can make it, you know, in a form of, you know, some light, you know, some blue sky, or 
golden light or uh, symbolic, you can send uh, many Buddhas you know, into your body and, uh, and then sending out many Buddhas into the different situation where people are stuck. And you are not stuck. It's in your mind. Prison is in your mind. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it feels uh, the practice should be the other way around. You can do that. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's you. You can find your own way. Sometimes it makes more sense to, uh, with the in-breath, to take away, uh, no, yeah, to, yeah, yes, yeah, with the in-breath to give, with the in-breath to give into the body what is needed, and with the out-breath to let go, yeah, so you, you can, uh, you can reverse that, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because if I try to do the no, that's too quick. Yeah. 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 So yeah. it's too quick. Yeah. 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 Can yeah. I do so? No, it's uh, so. Uh, if you would use the the in breath for taking, then even then I would spend some time with that, yeah. and kind of ignore the out breath for yeah, a while, yeah. Yeah. and then to breathe out. But it could be, you could also see if it makes more sense to you to reverse it. Particularly if you practice Tonglen to yourself, then it might make more sense uh, to breathe out that what you want to let go of and to breathe in that what you want to give to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. I think that's. I like you when you can do different. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and then the last is the wisdom, and here, particularly, the wisdom of emptiness. So that is the ninth chapter in Shantideva's book, uh, The Wisdom of Emptiness. And (coughs) in the first chapter of this book, uh, Shantideva says, all the wonderful practices I give you, gave you, you know, mindfulness, reframing, cultivating opposite emotions, they are good, but they don't work, really. Uh, so, well, he does not say it like that, but <laughs> you have to read the first. But, but what he says is, all these uh, practices the Buddha taught in, in, the, in the service of, or as preparation for teaching emptiness. So, 
all the other practices, compassion and Tonglen and mindfulness, they are temporary means of, you know, getting some space, you know, kind of having a tool to, to work with it. Uh, but it will not uh, address the root. And they are seen as preparation for uh, working with uh, the, the, the real antidote. And when, when you go back on Wednesday, when I described how uh, um, anger starts to arise when there is a desire. So that's like the beginning, the desire. I want this. And then you don't get it. And and the, the reason, f the, the root for that desire, that, that is ignorance. The, and ignorance here referring to the ignorance of who you are, how you exist, and what is the relationship of your own being to everything else. And we are ignorant about that. We are confused about that. So we have a sense of separation. And we have a sense of that there is, we exist as, as this separate uh, units cut off, alienated from, from the things out there, from the universe out there. And uh, so, and that sense of separation uh, uh, makes us fearful. Uh, we become afraid. And uh, and it is that sense that there is something to defend that uh, leads to anger. So if some someone says something, you know, which where we feel hurt, behind that is the sense there is something to defend here. But when we look at it, what we defend is a self-image. No, if someone says to you, you are the most stupid bastard, no, what is it what feels hurt there? What is behind that need to defend yourself? It's a self-image. A self-image you, you want to, you know, for, for yourself and for the others. It's a construction. So the, uh, the wisdom of emptiness, that's the... That is, is uh, looking into uh, and exploring the deeper, like the, the deep roots of all irritation, all attachment, and all anger. And, and the root, according to the Buddhist teachings, is ignorance. Ignorance about how you exist and who you are. So, in the beginning, working with this, in the beginning uh, of this uh, realizing selflessness or really real, realizing, you can say, egolessness. It's, uh, maybe you can't say it, but maybe you can say it, I'm not sure. But it depends also what you mean when you say ego. But it's like this, this theme of you know, selflessness, egolessness, emptiness. In the beginning, the way we start to work with this is 
we become more aware of that sense of me which arises when we feel attacked. Just that. Yeah? So to become aware when we say, don't say this to me. So like to feel that, what do we refer to when we say me? What do we refer to when, we, when this kind of exaggerated, puffed up me comes up. Yeah. So that's uh, one of the first steps to, to get to know it. How does the self appear to you? And uh, the many moments of, you know, like when you, I, I, somehow I like this, uh, you know, this duct, because I come back to it. Because I feel stuck sometimes, you know. And um, uh, so, in in that in that uh, example would be, who is it, who is stuck? I. So le let's say le let's, you know, I am stuck. So I. I, I am stuck. So I feel stuck. I know what it is. I am stuck. Yeah. So when I say I am stuck, it, it sounds like I know what I'm talking about. And, and maybe you think, yeah, I know what you are talking about. You are stuck. Yeah. And maybe you can see like how I am stuck. Yeah. But then if we analyze it, when we really look into it, what do we refer to when we say I am stuck? So then I, okay, I. I. Who is I? Who is it? This body, this mind, these memories, these feelings. Where is the I which is stuck? The name? Stefan? Stefan is stuck? No, that's not what I mean. The body is also not stuck. I can say I am stuck, but right now, what is stuck? So I. So I can't find I. I can't find I. And then M. M. R M. Strange. M. M. <laughs> what does it mean? M. What does it refer to? Stuck. Yeah, so stuck. What is it what I'm stuck in? Stuck. Stuck. Where where is it I'm stuck? <laughs> right now. But even if I go home. Stuck. I am stuck. I can't find it. I, ca I neither can't. I, I can't find the I which is stuck. I have no clue what I mean with am, <laughs> and I can't find what I'm stuck in. It's completely made up. And then when I talk about it, I have a sense. I know what I'm talking about. Well, there is this kind of security we have when we have this language thing, you know. 
I'm stuck, then you understand that, that what it means to be stuck, then you can tell me your story about I am stuck. And, and then we create that fake kind of reality, but if we look deeply and we take it apart, we don't find it. Of course, we find feelings and sensations in your body, and there's words out there, and there's the shape of a person, and, and we find things. It's not that there's nothing, but we don't find I am stuck. You're free. So that's, uh, you know, one, one approach to um, this uh, wisdom of emptiness, which refers to the, to the emptiness of yourself, the emptiness of the activity, and the emptiness of the phenomena. Meaning, if you analyze, if you look into, you can't find them as separate, solid things. So, here, uh, connected with anger, it would mean you find that there's nothing to defend. Okay. So that's it. Let's sit quietly just for a few moments so we can slide. It's a good moment to stop in the nothing, in the nothing which is everything. So just noticing how you are in this moment. And we can uh, rejoice and appreciate that we spend this morning together how precious that is, that we have this opportunity and how fortunate that we have an interest in being here. then whatever inspiration and goodness arose during this time, whatever merit uh, we share with here, each other, from heart to heart, 
then with our surroundings and families. And with all situations and areas where there's violence. So that this morning becomes a cause for nonviolence in our life and for nonviolence for everyone. Thank you very much. See you. And uh, yeah, you have plenty of opportunity now during the week to come here. And um, ah, one thing next weekend, uh, there's a teacher coming to Copenhagen, Rob Priest, and he's teaching Introduction to Tantra. And I think it's, uh, he is a psychotherapist, a union psychotherapist, and a long, very long-term student of the Dharma. He has been in Copenhagen last year as well. He wrote a few books. I have been using some of his books also. And um, so, and he will, there's a, like a kind of more public talk on Friday evening if you don't want to attend the weekend, but you just want to check him out and maybe decide then to come for the rest of the weekend so you can you're welcome on friday from seven to nine uh, to to come to copenhagen and i will be um here again next month also wednesday and a sunday i think and uh, i i thought i'm going to uh, do uh, do the same uh, with fear with fear, anxiety, and uh, so um, that would be then the Wednesday and the Sunday, like the the same theme. So that would be uh, next next month. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Thank you.